Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Your mom busted it and said, what's that noise? Oh, mom, you're just jealous. It's let's hear it for the boys. Hi, everybody. Welcome. You didn't watch singing, so I did a little bit of cool rapping instead. I'm Alex. I'm Alex. I am Pete. Wow. (laughs) Coming in hot, bro. Holy shit. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the boys. Season three, episode three, Barbary Coast. So spoiler warning here, both for this episode and also by rapping, but it's a little yeah, too late for uh, it's that. It's too late for that. Too late. It's already Man, happened. Man, you got slapped upside the head with some of that. <laughs> but if you haven't seen season three, episode three, that's the third episode that dropped this opening weekend here for the boys. Go watch it because we're going to spoil it. But very brief, very broad overview first of the episode. We're focusing in pretty heavily on Starlight here, who is wrestling with being co-captain of the Seven with Homelander. Homelander is a little unfettered here after his speech at his birthday, the previous episode. By the end of the episode, not only has Homelander rejiggered the American Hero competition to get both Supersonic, who, mind you, is friends and teamed up with Starlight on the Seven, but also brought the Deep back, which is horrifying, and we'll get into that in a second, and revealed to the world that he is dating Starlight, uh, and it's it's terrible. Terrible. (laughs) I want to talk about how terrible it is. But meanwhile, the boys are dealing with a bunch of stuff on their own. The team is finally back together. Huey is there now that he knows that Newman is the head popper. And they are continuing to go after Soldier Boy, or rather the weapon that took him down, trying to find him. And in this episode, they find out from Mallory exactly what happened back in the day, or at least parts of what happened back in the day, as payback. Uh, watched Soldier Boy be killed, his body being taken away by the Russians. Black Noir was there. We could see Black Noir with the mask off. Without the helmet and talking. I mean, holy shit. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Kamiko, actually, sorry, not Kamiko. She's kind of with the boys. Frenchie is dealing with his own thing, which is the introduction of Nina, known by comic book fans as Little Nina. She's not quite that little here. But Nina shows up, and she wants... Cherie, specifically, who is Frenchie's old girlfriend, he doesn't give her up. But by the end of the episode, Butcher realizes, oh, they have to go to Russia to go after Soldier Boy's body. So, in fact, Frenchie is going to need to go back to Nina, which continues to be bad things for everybody. Uh, And the last thing that I'll mention is that uh, Ryan... Uh, gets broken up with. That's a terrible way to put it. Uh, Ryan <laughs> Butcher says that he doesn't want Ryan anymore while he is still dealing with the after effects of the temporary V. So lots of stuff going on in this episode. Uh, like I said in the middle of this recap here, though, I want to start off, and I'm curious to see if you felt the same. I know you're supposed to feel uncomfortable, but I felt so uncomfortable, particularly with the Starlight arc in this episode. How did you feel about it, Pete? I mean, the, 
that's the thing about the boys is they're going to make you uncomfortable in new ways you haven't even thought of yet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun of signing up for this is just kind of like, how are they going to mess with you? How are they emotionally going to torture you? Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the problem with Starlight 2 signing up to be co, you know, like that's, you're playing with fire. And, uh, yeah, we kind of, we see that in a big way. But I mean, there's all sorts of torture all over the place in this episode. And, uh, this new season is a whole new level of bananas that, uh, is just, you know, they set the bar for it, but they really go above and beyond. And, uh, yeah, to see kind of Butcher pushing uh, away maybe the only good thing is just, uh, especially the way the Mother's Milk was kind of moved by it. And then, of course, it's like, mm-hmm. leave it to Butcher to fucking ruin it. So, Well, if we want to jump directly to that, though I would love to come back to Starlight and talk more about that in a second, but we can talk about what's going on with Butcher. I thought there were so many different smart moves going on here with Butcher's storyline from the way that he deals with his reemerging powers and feeling sick in the bathroom in the middle of Mallory's story. Uh, I love that moment, just him kind of banging his head against the wall and going, come on, come on, come on, trying not to get his eyes to light up, but also just the way that Ryan interacted with everybody throughout that storyline, butcher hearing him knowing that everything's not all right with him. And then his bonding moment over connect four with Kamiko, I thought was great as well. Just talking about how they don't want superpowers and they're scared of it sometimes. But that last moment where butcher forces him away, uh, I, the thing that I thought was so smart and relatively subtle about that is Butcher has that fight with Mallory. He's pissed at her. And what she calls out to him is she says, you've always been like your father. You're your father. And that's Which, the thing. depending on who your dad is, can be the worst thing to hear. Well, we, mean, know from, like, we know from the show we saw in the previous season, it was, his name's not John Logan. I'm forgetting his actual name. I'll look it up when you're talking. Okay. But he, his dad's awful. His dad's terrible. I believe he beat him and his brother. So that sets him off right there. And I think that is the thing that forces him to treat Ryan the way his dad treated him, but also at the same time, keeping him away from him because he's like, she's right. I am like my father. I can't do that to my son. Right. And it's tough because it's like, you know, if you have a horrible... Oh, wait, I just remember. John Noble. That's what I meant. Not John Logan. Sorry. Go okay. ahead. It's all right. But yeah, it's just Thanks one of those me. things where you have a, a horrible father. You've seen that experience. It can become an easy thing to click into. But, you know, when you're not paying attention, so you really got to kind of like stay on top of it to not turn into, you know, like a horrible uh, person there. So it's a, it's a struggle for real. Yeah, I really like also just all the stuff that they're dealing with with Butcher and the temporary V. Justin and I in the last episode talked a little bit about how the season seems to be dealing with addictions somewhat. And that's very clear in terms of uh, what's going on with the V and the withdrawal. Emphasis on the dick, if you know what I mean. Ooh. Yeah. Wait, how, how, do you mean? how do you mean? A lot of these characters are complete assholes. Is my oh, point. OK. I thought you were going to be like a lot of these characters have dicks. Oh, no. I mean, that's also true, though. Well, sure, but that's weird. I haven't checked, mind you, but I I assume. Okay, I don't know where this is going. This man has no dick. (laughs) 
<laughs> there we go. I knew it. All Nicholas you got to do is here. quote. Yeah. Quote Ghostbusters and Pete, yeah. and he's back on board. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> this is the thing. We've been doing podcasts for as long as we have. I know your triggers, man. I yeah, got to get you back on board on this stuff. Yeah, so. Appreciate it. And honestly, I didn't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should talk to somebody. Yes. So good stuff there. While we're talking about the Mallory stuff, you want to talk about this flashback here. We get to see. I mean, what a a comedically amazing use of a flashback and then pausing it at like the height of like just she just starts to get into like explosions and everything going wrong. And Butcher's like, hold up. You know, and just walks away. And then it's like, where were we? Just a hilarious use of flashbacks. I mean, that's really like one of the things that is so great about the show is the way it plays with the form and the way it kind of like, and that was nice about the comic book and the TV show, the way it kind of plays with and winks at the audience and is in on the joke and kind of uh, uh, has fun with it. Yeah, I also thought this was a really nice way to work in... I want to stop short of saying real history because I believe this is sort of like skirting the level of conspiracy theory, but probably honestly true is the whole Project Charlie thing. It was called Project Charlie, I think, where Reagan's administration sold drugs in Nicaragua and then brought them into minority neighborhoods so that they could get weapons for the rebels there. So basically... uh, from their perspective, take two care, care of two problems at the same time, which are inner city neighborhoods and also Nicaragua. It's horrible all around. But horrible. Horrible. But and working that the in fact there, that I thought Black was so Noir smart. was like the poster boy for that was also awful. Yeah. What did you, while you're mentioning that, what did you think about getting to see your fave character, Black Noir, with his mask off? Yeah. I mean, that was the thing, like, where he kind of started versus where he kind of ends up and then puts the mask on is kind of messed up. But it's one of those things where, you know, as somebody who is like a Snake Eyes fan, and I feel like this is maybe a little bit of an homage, um, it's uh, it's kind of messed up. But also, um, it's nice the fact that we got to see it. We got to kind of get some answers here as we go forward in the series. So, you know, just kind of, Giving us little breadcrumbs to our favorite characters. Here's a little backstory. Here's a little how they became who they are. And uh, just kind of makes it even creepier now that we know the real story. And it also gives a little bit of a backstory for Eddie Murphy as well, right? Like we find out some information about his career, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. Sure. I don't think. (laughs) Well, he wouldn't have gotten the role if Black Noir got the role. Uh, But... It, it We also do find out, or it seems like we find out exactly why Black Noir is the way he is, because you get this horrific shot of, like, he's been lobotomized uh, or something in the middle of this fight. Um, also, that whole fight, I thought, was so phenomenally messed up, the way they played that out. The whole idea of payback is there. They're in the middle of this drug deal, basically doing USO-style stuff. And Mallory is like, what are you doing? We're doing it off the books. Yeah, this is a horrible place to bring a a spotlight and just start being loud. And like, yeah, this is such a dangerous area to fuck around. And yeah, here they are. It was just, you know, it was And then she's almost immediately proven right 
when yeah. they're attacked in the camp, and then Payback goes nuts, and Crimson Countess is killing their own soldiers. Gunpowder seems to be shooting up absolutely everybody. Horrifying. The whole thing is like absolute anarchy mayhem. Yep. But so well done. Really like the way that sequence played out. Love the flashback. Like you said, the pause in the middle I thought was great as well. I, I wanted to kind of picture, I kept picturing like everybody else in that room and what they're talking about while Butcher's trying to get it together in the bathroom. And just being like, how are you? How's, uh, how's everything? Oh, nice house. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, telling this detailed story. Uh, sorry about this butcher guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, can't wait Can't wait to hear the second part once he gets back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, great stuff there as well. Um, you want to jump back and talk about the Starlight stuff a little bit? Sure. So I did uh, something that you guys probably talked about in the last episode, but Ashley's Ashley is just a, I mean, that's a fun bit and I don't ever want it to end. Oh, it's great. My thing that I brought up that I I feel like maybe I should clarify though, perhaps I'm digging myself an even deeper hole. I mentioned that all PR agents have the same name on the last episode. And I kind of did that as an offhand joke, but also doubled down on it. It's true. It's not true across the board, but they're legitimately like, I deal with PR stuff all the time for my day job. And there's more often than not two people with the same name, like an Ashley or a Jennifer or something like that on the email. And I'm like, oh, Jennifer H, Jennifer W or whatever. So I thought it was a very pointed, very good joke. And like you said, I love it because like, I mean, regardless of your personal history and bullshit, like it's a funny (laughs) bit. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe inside, you know, also is funny, but just from what we know. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Us also regularos. Really, yeah, exactly. That's what I call regular people is regularos. Well, I, I don't know about the uh, little emphasis you're putting on that, but all right. <laughs> I just like to put a little spin on it, make it a little more fun for myself. Great. Elevate Great. myself above everybody else. Yeah. I really identify with Homelander. That's what I'm trying to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know that about you. First time I saw myself on TV. <laughs> Terrible thing to say out loud, but yes, I love the Ashley joke. Love everything about Ashley. The my one of my favorite lines of the episode. While I feel like you're slightly avoiding talking about Starlight, by the way, just because every time I mention her, you're like, "How about this other character?" But one of my favorite lines of the episode was when they're trying to pick the American hero, and Starlight says she wants Silver King Cade, and right. Ashley says she's uh, she's Afghan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Starlight is like, she's from England immediately. But the delivery on that line, the way that Colby Biddyfee does that li- those lines is so good. Her and Seth and the other writer freak it out in the background when Starlight and Homelander are kissing. Great reaction shots there. Very fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, what's, what's great about Ashley as a character is now she has somebody heightening her own bits and it's mm-hmm. just a, it's such a fun choice of like I don't know who thought of like you know be funny is if there was another Ashley and she just kept just like because her lines are great and they deserve a little punch up so I feel mm-hmm. like it's a nice it's a nice idea and a great bit love it I want to talk about Starlight, though, because we do, like we mentioned, get this really harrowing arc for her over the course of the episode. And I do want to talk about, like, 
where we think it's going, what it means for Starlight, something that I believe we talked about with the first episode a little bit, and also Justin and I touched about in the second episode, is just the idea of, like, are they going in this circular way with Starlight's storyline? How is she progressing forward? And I felt like she was progressing forward a little bit in the second episode. Here, we start off with this Little Miss Hero competition where she does Hit Me Baby One More Time. and Which was... Uh, so creepy and weird mm-hmm. and very uncomfortable. You want to talk about uncomfortable. Well, so here's the thing that I wanted to get into. And mind you, I'm going to frame this with, you know, I like this role and uh, uh, the show, and I trust them to take this in interesting places and be smarter about it. But I think there was always this worry with the boys going into the Starlight storyline in particular. And we talked about this a lot of the first season, how they were going to treat things like the deep, right? And the deep, sexually assaulting her, something that's in the comic book, something that they don't really deal with in the same way. And I think we ultimately fell on the side of they did it in a really smart way in the show that did put the character of Starlight first over that, have consistently demeaned and not allowed the Deep to redeem himself in any way, uh, not let him come back or have a you know redemption arc necessarily. And I don't think that's what they're doing here. But there were two moments of this episode that I didn't like. And the first one was this Little Miss Hero competition starting off, which, mind you, very true to the world. There are these gross kid uh, competitions. So shining a light to that is okay. But I felt uncomfortable with the fact that this is also a real actress doing this at the same time. As I, as a viewer, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable and creeped out by this thing because of Starlight. So that put that put me off a little bit right at the top of the episode, not in a, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Where are they going with the storyline way? But just actually real world uncomfortable. And then the second thing that specifically bothered me was I don't mind the move to bring the deep back to the seven. I think particularly the place that Homelander's in that makes a lot of sense. But Starlight, Starlight used the word mouth rape me when she was coming back. What makes you think I want a daily reminder of the guy who mouth raped me? And there's something about the way that language in particular, he did rape her. He did sexually assault her. It's awful. It's terrible. But the way that's phrased is it feels like a joke, you know, like it's structured like a joke. And that's the thing that made me very uncomfortable about that to the point at the end where Starlight is ultimately back at that place she was at the beauty competition. She's demeaned. She's kissing Homelander of her own volition. Huey has told her, you got to hang into there. We're going to get a weapon. Well, that's why she's doing these horrible things. So, yeah, I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff out here right now. Yeah, you are. And I'll finish monologuing in a second. I think the main thing is that I get the moves here and I understand it in the context of the episode, but it felt like to me a time or two they went too far. How did you feel all about it, Pete? Well, that's the thing. I mean, we have a villain doing horrible villain things. And, you know, you see him naked watching his numbers and watching his own kind of monologue and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, what horrible thing would he do, especially after he knows what she's been through? Um, But also this fact of like putting uh, a starlight through this kind of thing like she did before with her mother, but now it's Huey. It's just, I mean, 
you're these you know these writers they're purposely torturing us mm-hmm. to kind of like really push these characters in places that you know hopefully uh, you know people really don't have the experience but I'm sure unfortunately it's happening but like it is just the worst like the worst possible thing you could ask somebody to do is hang in there with an evil fucking overlord who is capable of who knows what and especially at a time where he's just coming into the fact that he's realizing oh fuck i can do anything i want oh this is so much better for me and it making everything worse and the kind of butterfly effect of that it's uh, it's very scary. So that makes for good television, but also just kind of like, man, you sit, you're just in this show. You're, I'm constantly like turning in my seat, being like, oh god, oh no, why, oh why would you do this to me? It's hard to sit still and watch this. Um, but it's also impressive what they can, the range of human emotion that they can achieve. Um, so it's a hell of a fucking ride and yeah. And at times, uh, a little too close to the bone for sure. Um, but I mean, that, that's kind of part of it and what we signed up for a little bit. I mean, when you have a superhero jumping through a dude's pee hole to kind of like do <laughs> stuff like that's, you know, you're going to get that on all fronts. So buckle up. Uh, I mean, the whole Timothy thing was such torture. I mean, just absolute torture as well. So yeah, it's it's shitty all around, and you're hoping that finally we can kind of get, uh, you know, come through on the other side and get some justice or some kind of something because it is it is hard to watch for sure. Yeah, and I think, like I was saying, and like you're touching on here, I understand why she's doing this. It's not just because Huey is telling her to do it. It's also yeah. we get supersonic coming into the seven, but telling her he's got her back, uh, which gives her a little bit of energy to keep going there. On the other hand, you have her finally, you know, pulling out the blackmail on Homelander again and him saying, I don't care. Show it off. It's fine. I'd love to be loved, but I'm okay being feared. Yeah, that was so scary. That was such a scary moment of like, you know, I'll do this, this, and this. And the fact that he's thought about it and it's a hell of a plan is so fucked up. Like the fact that like, holy shit. Yeah. You, one person could do all those horrible things. And then it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. And what I think Erin Moriarty is getting across with her performance, even more than the line she's saying is she is being a hero here. She is not doing this to save her own life. She's not scared for her own life. She's scared for Alex, a.k.a. Supersonic's life, a.k.a. also Alex, me. She's very scared for me. But she's no, scared. No, she's I think she is. No, That's what I'm getting no. with her performance. Is she's no, very concerned about character what I'm a, thinking. I'm the show. Me. And you're but yeah, but they're, the characters, they're all talking to me. They're all friends with me. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, no. She's doing this for uh, Supersonic. She's doing this for Huey. She's doing this for literally the entire world world to well, save the, them let's let's back up the the love triangle a little bit and talk about this for a sure. second i don't like what's happening on the show <laughs> I, I you know i ship huey and starlight and what's happening here is a whole hell of a oh god damn it no you're not you're not hashtag home light no no huh. i'm not okay. yeah yeah, excuse me while I'm uh, against a horrible relationship. But also, I want to back up the truck a little bit. Riverdale did get a shout-out in the episode before 
And uh, there, are, there are a few times where you laugh out loud at a quick mention, and mm-hmm. that was fucking hysterical. That was and, very good. I just uh, rule of thumb here. I feel like you got to stop backing up the truck if it goes bad too far back. We're gonna be back. I, I went we're gonna be in season two in a second. Uh, is what's hey, happen. it's okay. It's okay. I'll stop it just before that. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like the fact that. We got the Riverdale shout out and then this kind of love triangle, like a Betty Veronica situation. Uh, okay. Uh, is, uh, is crazy insane. Um, Star- and, uh, okay. Just real quick temperature yeah, yeah. check here. Starlight's yeah. the Archie in the situation then. Yeah. And okay. who's the Betty? Who's the Veronica? I assume Supersonic is the Betty and Homelander is the Veronica. Is that what we're going with? I guess so. I was going to switch around like Homelander is Archie and... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, but hey, you know... But that it, doesn't work. <laughs> probably why you said what you said. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. The So you think... We were talking about this. We adjusted the last episode. You do think Supersonic has romantic designs on Starlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he loves it. He's, you know, he's... You know, to his credit, he sacrificed a lot to get here. So someone to f- say to him, like, hey, you don't want this thing you've worked your whole life to was hard for him to hear. And he was like, I think he walked in a room and was like, hey, listen, how can you help me out? So this is going to and they kind of came up with the storyline mm. for him. And uh, that's kind of how that all moved forward. But. Uh, yeah, he's in it to win it. He's not, you know, here for the right reasons as much as we all think that maybe is the case. Okay, so you don't trust him at this point. Don't trust it. Hmm. Interesting. I, I'm i sort of 50-50 on it. I could definitely see it going that if way. If you had to sing like that and we're dead inside, I mean, you would come up with horrible plans why that song is going on. So that's yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. The uh, I could I could get on board with that, that Supersonic has designs on her. I could also get on board with the idea that Starlight is upset about what's going on with Huey. He's in another place. I don't think she's going to be like, I hate him and I'm going to cheat on him. But she could have a moment of weakness in the middle of all the stress and things that are going on. Or like you're saying, Supersonic could be very earnest and go for her. And maybe she doesn't turn him down. So those are possibilities of things that could happen. I think realistically, it'll be like Supersonic maybe acts on something just as Huey walks in. Mm. And that's that's all he needs. Okay, classic. Yeah. He kisses her. She's not kissing him back. Huey walks in and they break up because of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Some shenanigans going on here. We'll see what happens. But the last thing that I wanted to say about the Starlight stuff, and then we can move to other things. This is my only worry right now. And uh, mind you, this is one episode, so they could perfectly write the ship the next episode. The thing that I think we talked about before the show even started is as much as we love the comic books and Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson kill it, there's a different sense to the comic books than the show. Like, they're a little more intense, insane, unapologetic, over-the-top. And there's more kindness and consideration, understanding of uh, feminism and sexuality and all of these other things that go on purposefully in the show that doesn't diminish what's going on in the comic book, but they're there present in the show. And my worry is these little these little notes that I mentioned with Starlight sort of set my alarm bells of like, are they are they going to edge lord with the show? Are they leading into that? You know, 
Again, might not happen, but I just wanted to mention it here because that was my worry while I was watching the episode. Well, speaking of worry, uh, I have uh, kind of ship worry right now because, sure, Huey and Starlight is important, but I think what's maybe more important is Frenchie and uh, female there, and I don't like what's happening right now. The fact that his ex is all up in the mix uh, along with some other... Uh, uh, Russian lady. It makes me very worried about what I think is one of the uh, nicer relationships in the show. I agree. I mean, Kamiko is clearly going through it right now. We get a little yeah. bit less of her this episode, though. Like we mentioned, she has that nice conversation with Ryan, but Frenchie kisses Shuri, or Shuri kisses Frenchie. Yeah, the- he. It, it's a goodbye kiss to be like, hey. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't do it, so I, you know what I mean? Like, it's a little like, hey, if somebody's going to leave your life, you know, uh, maybe a goodbye kiss is okay. You know, it depends on the relationship. But still, like, I, I was like, oh, man. I have bigger worries about Nina, to be honest about you, because maybe they've mentioned this earlier in the show, but I don't, I don't remember it. This definitely seems new information to me. And we find out through Nina that basically Nina's a dom. You can tell that because of the leather pants. That's pretty clear. Well, the nut crunching also. And the nut crunching. That also gives it away. But she is clearly a dom and Frenchie is clearly a sub. And the way they play that scene, he's just like he's ready to give up everything. The second Nita starts literally leaning on him, you can tell the way he's playing it. He's like, I can feel myself slipping back there. I'm going back to that place. I can't help it. And they have that great moment where he just pauses, shoves the chair back like two inches, and then very shakily steps up and walks away. And that to me, that moment, the way that uh, Tober Capone, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, did that walking away, his hand shaking, was very similar to the mother's milk hand shaking a couple of episodes back. So it feels like this is also going to tie into the whole addiction thing they're playing with this season. Um, But the fact that Butcher, who makes no apologies for anything, will do whatever he wants to get his goal is like, yeah, uh, you know how you narrowly got away from Nina just before? Let's take you back there. I think that's that's way worse for Frenchie than whatever is going on with Shuri. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's so bad for his relationship. And the fact that, like, she was like, I'm here for you. Dude, walk away. She was like, we could just walk away. I was like, motherfucker, what else do you need to hear? Oh, you're talking like, about Kamiko saying yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, says that to Frenchie. What, what are you there for, man? What do you walk away? Just walk away with her and be happy. It is, not to keep harping on the same thing, but I think it is also the same thing of, like, they do feel trapped in Butcher's group. They do feel like, and Butcher will tell them, he'd be like, I saved you. I'm responsible for everything. Yeah. You would have been I mean, alive. when they were all back in the same room, that was, I got chills. That was such a nice moment of, like, mm-hmm. hey, oh, my God, look, who, hey, you're here. Oh, we're here. This is so fun. The team's back together was so great, but it was also, like, so fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, because they, like we talked about at the start of the season, they did move forward in their lives, but I don't think that's what they want. I think, or at least what they need ultimately is what Butcher and Homelander talked about, which is scorched earth. The only thing that really is going to make them happy is like wrecking everything. Mother's Milk needs answers. It's clear. Like he is messed up and he needs some answers so he can move on with his life. 
Yeah. Well, yes. And he, what do you feel about this very specific tie for him to pay back in Soldier Boy? Well, that's the thing. It was like this, like, seemed like he had an obsession with uh, paperwork and having pictures line up perfectly in a room. But, uh, you know, it's all just kind of goes back to his family and things that happen. So, I mean, I'm all for more Mother's Milk information and more on who this character is because we see him right now and he's struggling hard. Um, And, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see him get some kind of closure so he can kind of get out of this horrible loop that he's in. Yeah. Uh, I did want to talk about the deep. You mentioned the Timothy scene earlier, but there's two great, terrible scenes with the deep here. One is he's having sex with his wife. There's a very quick shot of a painting of him hanging out with Homelander there, which was so sad. Like one of the most pitiful things I think I've ever seen. And then he, while he's having sex with his wife, he's staring at an octopus and what's the line that he says? He says something like, oh, all yeah. your hands. Yeah. All, yeah, yeah, all, all your, your arms. arms. And she's yeah, like, huh? Just, my two? My two arms? <laughs> very funny. Very upsetting. And very, like, in the middle of an episode where I was pretty upset that the Deep was coming back, interacting with Starlight, the fact that they had two scenes where it's just he got knocked down to the absolute bare minimum, uh, that was good. And the second scene in particular horrifying as Homelander serves the deep a celebrity seafood meal and makes him eat a raw, raw, a living octopus who is a friend of his named Timothy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you do that? Would you ever eat a live octopus? No, I mean, I I do love a calamari, but I don't think Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat it live. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably not. The only time I've ever seen that happen is this show and also the original version of Old Boy. Have you oh, ever seen yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. When he yeah. goes in after yeah. being in prison, he's like, I just want to eat something alive. And then he does that. That there is kind of amazing because that's like the opposite of this. That's a celebratory moment rather than a horrifying moment. Uh, one time I did eat, I went to this very nice restaurant and they had as tapas a baby octopus that had been oh, caged, come on, dude. Cajun deep fried. It's the only time I was like, this is very weird, but somebody else ordered it. This is the only time I'm ever going to have this or this opportunity. And I'm very upsetting, but it tasted delicious. I have never, uh, you know, asked for something that was a baby before I ate it, but whatever. I mean, I can't take too much of a high ground. I always ask before. Like any dish that I order at a restaurant, I'm like, do you have this baby stuff? Do you have some baby cow that I could (laughs) taste? There's hope. In it. You can taste the hope. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where to go from here. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I, you know, first off, you know, I assume the Deep's wife was, you know, on the bad side, but this really confirmed that uh, the Deep does not have an ally. He's kind of on his own and, uh, you know, it's a bad, bad situation. But, you know, something that he is a horrible person and done horrible things. So, you know, it's just... uh, That's the tricky line. And it works for me here because he is so reprehensible. But, like, an abuser abusing an abuser is not a good cycle. It's not something you necessarily should be rooting for. But at the same time, the deep deserves it. Timothy doesn't deserve it, but the deep deserves it. 
And uh, what do you think about, uh, is it going to be every episode from here on out that uh, Huey gets some kind of bodily fluids? You know, That's showered? a rule of the boys. You got to do that at least you once gotta in a while. Love that. Right? I I hope it keeps happening because he said it and he jinxed himself. And I really <laughs> hope that they just like make him pay for it the whole time. It was great. Butcher vomiting on him. Jack Wade's oh, delivery oh, oh, oh. of what the fuck. Was... The what the fuck moment when he got his arm broke was just hysterical. Oh, that was great, too. The solution of like, I got to be out of work for a couple of days. Yeah. Break my arm. Oh, my God. Also, in that scene, I loved Mother's Milk, whose OCD is in overdrive at this point, being like, hey, put a tarp down while we break your arm. (laughs) Very funny. Uh, Before we wrap up here, oh, I I also wanted to call out, actually, uh, one more thing that I thought was so smart here. In the seafood scene, Homelander, who is very triumphant now and gave this very men's rights speech in the last episode. Oh, so awful. Awful, but I there wasn't a lot of follow up directly on that this episode. I felt like, but the one that was the most pointed was him quoting Martin Luther King at that oh, dinner. Dude, stop! Oh, that was just the free at last moment was so er. It was just the worst. It was so fucked well, but up. But this is every Martin Luther King Day. Somebody who one hundred percent under no circumstances should ever put Martin Luther King's name in their mouth is like exactly what he says here. Yeah. The, like I've really been identifying with his words lately oh, or they so tweet out up. just, I had a dream. Like, I think, I feel like once a year just to troll everybody, the FBI tweets, I had a dream where like, we remember Martin Luther King and everybody's like, you fucking killed him. <laughs> assholes. Oh my God. So anyway, um, any other uh-huh. moments from the episode you want to call out in particular? Yeah, there was, but uh, since you brought that up, you just kind of erased my mind. <laughs> uh, uh, oh my god, that was so fucked uh, up. I mean, I'll throw out one other while you're looking through your notes here. Thank but you. You mentioned earlier Homelander being nude when Ashley comes in. I love that whole sequence of like picking up Starlight, watching the footage of the speech. You're like, oh, this is going to go bad. Everybody's freaking out. You see Ashley running in the background. You're like, she's in crisis control mode, but it's not that at all. He's up 20 points. Uh, And just their whole exchange there where she's trying to ignore him being nude. He clearly gets an erection when he finds out he's 20 points up. And his line to her is like, that's not for you. That's not for you yet. Don't pay attention. So funny. Uh, well, something we forgot to talk about is A-Train. Oh, we did, uh, yes. Yeah, so A-Train kind of got his friend back, which was a nice moment in a lot of really shitty moments. So um, I'm I'm excited to hopefully uh, get some good news there. But it was nice to see A-Train to kind of like get a little mirror up to his face and see, you know, what he's been doing wrong and what a piece of shit he is. So hopefully that'll really move him in a better direction. Also, like the dolphin diamond thing was such a fucked up but hilarious conversation combination that was just like, I, I mean, it was so bad, but also the fact that it was like, I got you these like non cruelty diamonds and this, like, oh, I mean. They did such a great job of pushing that in such a horrible way that I just really... That was great. I did want to just to jump back for a second and talk about the A-Train thing. Mm -hmm. This is another character who's reprehensible. We shouldn't be forgiving. But 
at the same time, to your point, I'm really interested to see how this storyline goes, because, again, not to keep bringing up what we talked about on the last episode, but there was that whole thing with A-Train presenting his new look to everybody, and I thought that was so smart just on the way that comic books, particularly back in the day, would be like, our black character is going to Africa. Eh? Eh? And that was pretty much it. And like, that's their nod to stuff. But here that he did that, everybody called him out on his shit. And then when he gets back together with his brother, his brother's family is all like, your costume looks stupid. And then he gets to see somebody who's a very clear stand-in for Blue Lives Matter, who's over-policing an African-American neighborhood, curb-stomped a dude there. Oh, yeah, Blue Hawk. That was just awful. Well, but the the idea that maybe A-Train is going to have to figure out how to actually deal with this stuff as an African-American superhero rather than the most surfery, surfacy, cursory way possible is a really interesting storyline to deal with. So I don't know if that's exactly the direction they're going to go, but if they do, I think that's very cool and very smart and could lead to some significant growth for a character who, like I said, shouldn't necessarily be redeemed, but certainly seems to be on a redemption path regardless. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I mean, that's the thing that they do really well is they set these characters in motion and then we kind of check in with them at such kind of like insane places. Uh, It's really impressive to kind of see how they let characters breathe and what kind of choices they make up and where they go and what happens to them. And the fact that we kind of like keep kind of checking in with them. It's really, it's, it's really awesome. One last thing we should probably talk about, actually, is Jensen Ackles full-fledged getting introduced here, albeit in flashback, as Soldier Boy. What do you think about his character and how he was introduced here? I don't know how many ties you have to Supernatural or uh, the one or two other things that he's been in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you know, it's cool. I'm not, like, you know, that huge a fan, or I'm not losing my mind, but uh, definitely fun that he's playing the character. I thought it was pretty good. I liked, again, on the pointed line, this is an easy one, but him telling Mallory that she should smile more and her immediately shooting back at him. Oh, man. Just it very clearly defines that level of misogyny that he has as a character. And as a dick Captain America, I think Jensen Ackles works really well. So excited to potentially see more of him. Before we wrap up here, though, who was the best boy in the episode, Pete? Oh, my gosh. There was so many different things uh, to kind of – oh, man. I don't know. I I don't know. I got to go – no, I can't say that. Um, You can say whatever you want. I'll tell you what – here, I'll tell you what I'm going to say because maybe it will allow you to say something else. I kind of want to give it to the deep just for the Timothy scene, which in an episode full of messed up things happening, that was by far the most messed up. And the way that Chase Crawford played that scene, the ink spurting out of his mouth at the end, the way that he's horrifying. Stop it. So good. So perfect. What about you, Pete? Uh, I gotta say, uh, Starlight the mm-hmm. the choice that she made after talking to Huey. It's just such a horrible place for her, and the fact that she's kind of went all in. It, 
Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm really worried. I'm really worried. But it was just like just seeing that the setup of the fist earlier behind her back and then the payoff of it later was just really impressive television. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the boys. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show. Here at number four, the boys on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, boys it up, you boys. I still haven't listened and figured out what we actually did for this side off. <laughs>